Hello, welcome to the Humane Revolution. Today it's episode 10, if I'm not wrong, Javier. Uh, I would say 11. Am I <laughs> 11, <laughs> bueno. No, maybe it's 10. It's 10. Okay, so, well, episode 10, uh, the Humane Revolution. We've made, this has been a journey so far, man. Yeah, 10. 10 episodes already. How are you, Javier, by the way? How's yeah. everything? Good, good. Uh, coming back after a long time. Yes, yes. You were behind the scenes in the previous I've podcast. I've been behind the scenes all the time in silence. Yeah. Yes, yes, but you've been here with us. And today, who is with us is, well, a founder of a startup from KDH Innovation. Mm -hmm. um, a super nice person. I think, well, one of the most interesting <laughs> people you can talk with at KDH Innovation. <laughs> that is uh, Ahmed Yilmez. Yilmiz? Yildiz. 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 Sorry. Sorry for the Turkish surname. Yeah. How are you doing, Ahmed? How's everything? Yeah. All good? Thank you very much. Thanks for inviting. And uh, it's my pleasure to be the tent. But you should promise me for the hundred and thousand ones as well. Of course, man. Anytime. <laughs> this is your home. So you just have to... Well, we, we see each other a lot here. So you just have to, to touch me in the bag and tell me, hey, I want to be in the next episode. And you... You will be here because yeah. it's always a pleasure. Okay. I will always ask: Is it ninety, like nineteen? When is hundred? Yeah. So I, I hope we we reach that number. But first of all, first things first. Who are you, Ahmed? Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Like, where do you come from? What are you doing in Stockholm? Why do you have a startup? What is this startup about? Yeah, maybe I should first start from what is startup, then come to me. Okay. So. If uh, people from Sweden may have heard that there is a facility in Lund called Max 4. So like when we go to hospital, they shoot us with x-rays mm -hmm. and then you get a sort of Rontgen like okay. of your body to check. So we can do similar things to metals, ceramics or uh, other materials as well. But then we need higher energy x-rays mm -hmm. to penetrate into, for example, one centimeter thick uh, steel and so okay. on. So we can imagine like uh, large microscopes mm -hmm. and those large microscopes create large datas. So analyzing those datas are pretty challenging. And in scattering our startup, we uh, develop a software to analyze those data. And also we offer industry add-on services. For example, if you don't have any in-house expertise on uh, getting ready for such big science experiments, we also help you with those. So we try to create an interface between industry, academia, and those large microscopes. So that was what we tried to do. <laughs> well, that's very interesting. And uh, sorry for interrupting you, you can continue now, but I think that introduces very good what we want to talk about today because um, I would say that maybe confusion is the general feeling of, of the audience after hearing you. And that's more close to the reality of what a startup is most of the times than, you know, like brilliant, brilliant ideas, dropouts, etc. But we can go for, to that later, but so please continue. Yeah, I think it was a good uh, confusion in the beginning that, yeah. Uh, yeah, I will touch it later as well. It's one of the difficulties of people who came from academia. They can't uh, explain the things properly so that everyone can understand. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm, I just finished my PhD yeah, like last January at KTH. Mm -hmm. And I'm originally a metallurgical engineer, but I did my PhD in uh, Swedish Graduate School on Neutron Scattering, Swetness. And, <laughs> wow. <laughs> and uh, I and my supervisor, uh -huh. we worked together to help industry using those uh, microscopes. And now, uh, more than one year, we are officially a company and since last uh, February, I'm full-time at Scattering as mm -hmm. CEO. Okay, well, that's amazing. And with that, let's introduce some facts. Because to introduce the topic of today, Ahmed is the perfect person because of your background <laughs> and because of everything that you're doing at Scattering. But the thing is the following. The thing is that, 
well, we know what unicorns are. A unicorn is a startup that has a valuation that is over $1 billion. So did you know that a unicorn founder is five times more likely to be a PhD than a dropout? So, you know, like we've all watched this film, The, the, social, the social Network. How is it in English? Because in Spanish it's La Red Social. In English is the social network. The social network talking yeah. about Facebook, yeah. no? And looks like with that and so many stories that we have heard in the news, in media, etc., that the dropout story is like the common thing. You know, like I'm never going to do a startup because you have to have a brilliant idea and I am incapable of having brilliant ideas. But the reality is not that. The reality is that most of the people, the vast majority of the people, more than 50% of, of, the, of the unicorn, this is not only startup founders, but successful startup founders, more than 50% have master's degree level or PhD level. And well, that's the thing. I mean, it, that's like radically different to be in comparison to being a dropout, no? Yeah. So also, Ahmed, from your side, what do you feel about this? Because you come from academia, you come from doing a PhD, how is that life related to starting a startup and then like, like you know, like you're the CEO, like you're not like, I don't know, like a scientist or like a more research uh, position. You're the CEO, you're like the leader of a startup in the end, no? So how is your journey from academia to now being at Scattering? Yeah, it is, I think, pretty difficult, academia. <laughs> bring some advantages that I would like to mention and also there are some disadvantages. Like you have mentioned uh, more than 20% are PhD, mm -hmm. but uh, the masters are higher, more successful according to the uh, percentage than PhDs, which I think also uh, understandable because uh, having academic background to give you something and takes out something that you need mm -hmm. to catch up later on. So shall we start with some uh, advantages? Yeah, let's go. Yeah, I think the most important thing is uh, you learn how to collaborate in academia mm -hmm. when you do PhD or if you're a researcher. Um, you can't do this, uh, I'm talking about engineering, you can't do this alone. You need mm. help from others and you learn asking people, asking help, asking questions, try to learn things and so on. And I think for in startups as well, like we are now in KTH Innovation Building because we seek for help. We meet our coaches, we ask questions, we don't hesitate to ask questions and so on. So I think this is probably the most important thing that academia or academic background gives you. You learn how to work at, with others, how to get good things from others, and how to ask questions, I would say. Mm -hmm. And then the disadvantages? <laughs> disadvantages, like, I think we can compare, like, uh, masters and PhDs. It seems masters are more successful when it comes okay. to... Uh, yeah, it's like there's an academic uh, mindset. Mm -hmm. So, like, for example, when I try to explain what we are doing as scattering, you probably felt that it was still academic, right? Mm -hmm. So <laughs> it's really difficult to remove this uh, academic mindset. Mm -hmm. Like uh, when I talk with industry, I say, yeah, it's X-rays comes, neutrons goes with this resolution, you get... Yeah, but uh, they don't really care that. They care like, okay, what will you bring to the table? Will we reduce the cost? Will we uh, uh, gain the time or so on? But uh, this academic mindset doesn't uh, leave you alone. You still like uh, talk about the techniques that much. You lost yourself in the conversation. <laughs> you become unnecessary nerdy for unnecessary things and so on. So yeah, that could be one of the disadvantages, I would say. Yeah, and that maybe that's like a disadvantage and an advantage at the same time, no? Because we were talking before starting the podcast that, you know, like 
uh, when you're doing research in academia, you're doing a PhD, a postdoc or something like that, in the end, it's like your, your daily life consists on working with a state-of-the-art knowledge of a certain field. And start-of-the-art scientific knowledge of a certain field is beyond the, let's say, like the level of expertise of businesses. And that's why there, there are so many opportunities to create startups when you have reached this high level of knowledge about whatever thing that, you, that we can think about. No? Then, of course, then the challenge is because you know, you have this academic mindset. You know how to interpret. You are capable of understanding the state of the art of laser technology, for example. But how do you land that into a product? Because also, like, if in the if there are no businesses doing that, that's for something. There, there is a reason for that, no? And that's why that's also a big challenge. So I would say that that's like a like a two-sided thing, no? They're like the two flips of the coin, the, the wood part and, and the bad part, no? No, I totally agree. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, that for me, that explains why masters are, mm. they seem, appear to be more successful than PhDs. But, uh, yeah, like, I have been uh, also discussing with friends, like, mm -hmm. It starts from the very beginning, and we ask ourselves, he has also a PhD. And we were like, okay, what is deep tech really? I mean, <laughs> we started, <laughs> we both have, of course, some ideas, and so on. Then we opened a YouTube video <laughs> where the real knowledge is. And then <laughs> there was a guy, I think it was from TED, and he said, yeah, I have been in different countries all around the world, and I met really brilliant startups, and he started to give some examples, like this from Stanford University, this from MIT. And then we start to check one by one, like uh, what are they really doing now? Mm. My friend is also super involved in the stock market and so on. We opened the first one, seven, minus 70% last year, other one minus 98% and so on. Wow. So yeah, this, uh, this is also the one side that I would like to share, like these academics, they actually, they are also good at selling as well. Mm -hmm. Because when you want to publish a paper mm -hmm. in one journal, you need to wrap up your results in a way that it mm -hmm. can go through the uh, different reviewers and so on. The same also applies to the funding applications. Yeah. So that could be one good thing that you already start to sell things. Yeah that wow. you can apply in your entrepreneur journey. Mm -hmm. And also the, uh, not bad thing, but also you can uh, oversell things. <laughs> then you can become a unicorn, which is uh, maybe, uh, yeah, not super perfect idea maybe. Yeah, yeah. But well, but that's super curious. Like, you know, like a researcher that is selling, that is like half, uh, like, you know, like, and during the days I do research on machine learning and then in the afternoons I'm a salesman of my research, no? How curious is that, no? So, I mean, from your experience in academia, like, do you really have to sell that much, your work? What do you do when you try to go for funding, when you try to get published and so on? Yeah, it, maybe selling is not. No, I think it's correct. Okay. No, <laughs> because uh, is, yes. Yeah, yeah. Like I mentioned in academia, it's similar to entrepreneurship, they ask you how many sales you have. In mm -hmm. academia, they ask how many paper you published. What is the impact factor of the journal that you have published? So the value is in unfortunately in the second plane most of the time. Mm -hmm. So you start to talk about the numbers and so on, like in the entrepreneurship, you say, yeah, we had this revenue, we sold that much uh, things. But of course, uh, it is for me very, very, very difficult to sell a product, sell a service to uh, industry when I have meetings. Those are uh, different things. Like uh, I also, felt like uh, like when you go conference academic conference you present things mm -hmm. so a few days ago i did the uh, very first investor uh, 
pitch. Yeah. And uh, everyone, f- <laughs> the one of the feedback was like, yeah, it was like academic conference pitch. <laughs> I, my mood was low. I mean, <laughs> I was talking in a very boring way. I don't have this excessive energy of uh, yeah. this startup uh, CEO that uh, with uh, uh, huge confidence and so yeah, like on. Like super extrovert, super yeah. like talkative. And I mean, on, on the other hand, you're like a very chill person and that, you know, like that makes you like transmit secureness or security about what you're saying so let's say if you try to convince me about anything i would i would buy it honestly yeah i agree <laughs> but they were like uh, yeah but uh, you didn't hit us and so on yeah. and i was like uh, yeah i mean uh, uh, yeah it, i should improve there's a uh, still room there yeah everything. for a little bit more of performance maybe you know yeah. maybe let's say like the circus yeah, I feel like uh, just coming back to the topic before, I feel like you can have like the best product, you know, you can have like the best startup, the best idea, whatever. But if you if people don't see it, you know, it doesn't exist, you know. Mm. So I feel like really like the marketing of your idea is almost as important as the product. Mm. You even see products that are so bad, you know, but they have so good marketing and they have like a team that is focused on like selling. And they end up selling more than someone that is like with really good product, but that is like, you know, mm. not so good with marketing. And that's exactly the case here. Like what we're talking about is that um, there are researchers that they have extra extraordinary products because they are doing research that it goes beyond what we see in the market. Like, for example, me, myself, I've been, well, I'm finishing my master thesis at KDH with a research group. And the things that I am seeing every day in robotics, AI, and so on, it goes beyond, far beyond what everybody sees in the market every day. Um, and then how to market those things? Because there are things that can be marketed better and worse, easier, and, and maybe like more difficult. But in any case, you're talking about things that nearly 100%, the investor is not going to understand. Because, so. because the investor is a normal person, he's not an expert, he's not a researcher in that field, no? So that's also the, the big gap, no? Like ideas that come from academia, generally there, there is like a lot of research behind it and they're like super, super solid things. But how to make the others see the potential on that thing, even see the thing, mm. it's extremely complicated and it's perhaps one of the of the biggest of the biggest challenges no on the other hand if you i mean there's always like people with 200 iq or whatever but if you're a dropout from a bachelor's degree believe me that you don't have the marketing skills and you don't have either a super state-of-the-art sophisticated technique or solution for anything no Mm. but mm, phds well have uh, they are like super, super strong on one part. And then how to, to solve the marketing part or the selling part, that's one of the biggest challenges maybe, no? Yeah. Because in your startup in Scattering, you don't have any like salesman or saleswoman, no? No, we really think having uh, someone with a huge smile. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, so I will continue to meet, of course. Mm-hmm. to talk more about the technique, more about the details. But, of course, we need uh, sales and marketing. We don't have currently properly functioning LinkedIn, for example. Mm-hmm. That is a big minus for us because we don't really know, I mean, what to do. Like Because we also feel, yeah, should we share this? No, like, then we got, like, yeah, sh- let's say shy. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, but it's, uh, it's yeah, anyways, let's don't do it. Then it's, like, a sort of also comfort zone thing yeah. around, like, uh, that we need to escape, of course. And then I have a follow-up question related to that. Would you say, I have no idea myself, but would you say that academia is a place where you are less, let's say, like, less keen to try things without fearing to fail in comparison to the startup innovation environment? Yeah, I would say academia is perfect way to fail. Yeah? For during my PhD, I don't know how many times I fail 
and my supervisor was I was lucky he was always just uh, okay I mean he laughed a bit and then I tried not <laughs> to do the same thing again so because like I'm talking about having PhD is like a wonderful journey that you can fail unlimited times mm -hmm. as long as you are on improving yourself of course okay. if you go back fail 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 it's bad but uh, in startup I don't know, it depends on person to person, but uh, this is when you talk with companies, for us, for example, when we collaborate during the, uh, in our academia time, they were aware that things can go bad mm -hmm. or things can be good because yes. it's research. But now we talk about the product, mm -hmm. we talk about paying directly, so it gives more responsibility to me now. So fail, we shouldn't fail that much, more, yeah. less serious at <laughs> least, yeah. Okay, okay, well, but honestly, like from my conception, I thought that academia would be a place where, you know, like, you don't want to look like you're stupid, like, you know, like failing is okay, but you have to have like a status, you have to look smart, whatever, whatever. And here, like in the innovation thing, of course, there's a lot of posing and whatever, but it's truly, and especially like when you're in an incubator such as this one, like it's especially a place where you can fail and there's like nothing happens, you know? And, and I think that that's, one of the things that, um, well, I mean, everyone learns when he's in, into, a, into, a, into a startup, and especially in a place like this one, that, you know, like the first time you fail, you say, woof, I'm a disaster, I don't know how to do things, I'm going to be a complete failure. But then you fail and you realize that nothing happens. But then you fail, you're, you're going to fail again, and you, you think again, I'm, 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 I'm a disaster, this and blah, blah, blah. blah. And then you fail again and nothing happens. And then with time, you realize that when you fail, nothing happens. When you, I mean, of course, there are some times that they're like, you know, if you fail a final exam, you, you have to retake the course. Mm. But, you know, like it's not the end of the life. Maybe you retake the course and then you learn whatever thing that then sparks something in your mind. And then you make a shift in your career like you never know, no? Um, so failing, trying things, you know, like maybe what I've learned myself is that the biggest failure is not trying. Um, unless it's a fucking crazy thing that of course, like, okay, stay chill, <laughs> think it <laughs> twice, but uh, try things, man. Like, like, what are you going to lose? Not that much. Yeah. Just imagine the people that is successful nowadays, you know, imagine they would have stopped after 10 times they failed, you know? Because that's what happened. Like people just kept on trying. You know, they mm. were they had a conviction, they had an idea, and they were like, "Let's go for it," and you just keep on going until you break this stone. You know. Like, yeah, and I think that there's also like a lot of bullshit. Honestly, like when some when someone is successful, wow, this pe this person is fucking amazing. Like you only see the success of the person. Mm. But then if you go back in time and you realize that he's flesh and bone like you, mm. and that that person has failed like you, or even more. Like that person has been humiliated in public or in private or both that that person has felt that he or she was like this most like the most stupid person in the world a lot of times. And that's part of the journey. But, you know, when when you're in that journey, you realize that life is more like this um, and that it's part of, of men of living, of interacting with people, of doing things. If you stay at home, no worries. No one's going to humiliate you. You're going to be chilling at home, but you will be 60 years old and what are you going? Like, you, 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 will, you will not have any stories to tell, no? So, <laughs> so, so, yeah, like failing. Well, I don't know. Try things. Don't think about failure. Try things. And then try to do it the best that you can and try to avoid failure as much as you can. And then if after all the hard work, after all the good intentions, after everything, you fail, don't worry. So you talk pretty like a lean startup uh, idea. It's like you mm. fail, 
but uh, don't fail so big so that you can continue <laughs> to <laughs> fail. Yeah, yeah this like uh, people. I just got a question again two days ago, and then it was like, uh, yeah, what have you? Uh, what would you change uh, mm -hmm. if you go back to a few months ago and so on? I mean, you can't, you don't know. Whatever you failed is like an experience, like in your database, in your brain that will be useful for the future. Mm -hmm. And like in this environment, like you mentioned, this uh, pre-incubator, uh, you see that you are not alone. You mm -hmm. are not the uh, only one failing. So it also encourages you to fail more. I mean... Uh, to test more yeah, and then to be less, try less more scared, yeah right? exactly mm. but yeah i think that i mean like that that speech is you know like the correct thing to say but it should be it should go together with this thing that i said like try it as hard as possible like if you really believe in that thing like work hard like for real like work a lot on that thing and then when you work a lot then sometimes you will fail but um, but it's not because sometimes to me it gets like somehow confused like failing is not good it's not a good thing but it's not a bad thing either but it's not like yes fail no bro <laughs> try not to fail mm -hmm. <laughs> try to work hard to not fail to never fail try it assuming that you will fail sometimes and that it's not the worst thing that is going to happen and be brave enough to suck at something new be brave enough to to try something and then realize poof <laughs> I, I had no idea what i was doing but i tried you know um but yeah yeah i think yeah this is yeah that reminds me one more thing about this academia like when you finish your phd you also me i mean we look for more safer because academia is like uh, if you nowadays if you want to become a professor it's like uh, almost impossible mm -hmm. like you need to do postdoc in one country because it doesn't look good if you stay in the same country after really? your phd okay. and nowadays one postdoc is also not enough so which means that you probably need to go another research group or country somewhere if you are in usa maybe it's uh, good to go somewhere else i don't know where left like japan i have no idea so uh, it brings like uh, stress in the people so what people do they start to look for safer options as well mm -hmm. But in academia, it's not that very, uh, I would say, safe uh, currently. And the best then look for a job and, or go to startup, which is also out, very outside of comfort zone, not safe at all mm -hmm. and so forth. So this, uh, I don't know. When you finish PhD, you are already over 30, but you still don't have really solid future plan, I would say. Mm -hmm. And it, of course, brings this uh, uh, afraid of failing, yeah. continue to fail and so on. Mm -hmm. That might be one of the other thing, explain those numbers that we see there. Yeah, and would you say, would you say that when you finish a PhD, you think, okay, I know a lot about lasers, machine learning, um, I don't know, whatever topic, but I don't know what to do with my life. Like, okay, I'm an expert on lasers, but there's only five jobs for that in, in whole Europe. What do I do with my life? Is that the feeling that people have when they finish a PhD? Of course, this is one of the biggest things that PhD students face is like last one year, you start to question what I'm going to do after mm -hmm. the PhD. Because like I mentioned, there are options, but also uh, each has own challenge for you. Yeah. Uh, this also indeed happened to me. So, but what we have decided, like I said, okay, I'm not going to 
apply for any jobs. Mm-hmm. I will just go for a startup. Mm-hmm. And we rather start to make startup happen mm-hmm. instead. So, yeah, exactly. So last uh, six months of PhD students are like writing theses, finishing papers and applying jobs. And it's like double, triple uh, pain and yeah. concern about future, of course. Mm. I can imagine, I can imagine. But yeah, so the other thing that I would like to talk about is about, you know, because sometimes we think about um, about the PhD like being something that is completely unrelated to like it's a kind of like a follow-up question because we, we, we sometimes believe that PhDs are like are like yes whatever like you're doing something that is super 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 expert on that but then like bro why, why should I care about that like how how close do you really think that is like for example your research or things that you have seen close to the reality or of the world on one side and the industry business on the other side like do you really think that there is like a let's say, immediate bridge between those things? Or is that something that you have had to build and that's the reason why you're doing your startup or and so on and so on? Or what is your take on that? Yeah, I think so we can take PhD as four or five, sometimes six or seven years uh, project. Mm-hmm. And anyhow, you became like a project. You start to manage the project because you have a very clear deadline. And you have to, I don't know, publish three papers, write two more manuscripts, and so on. So it basically teaches to be managing a project with help of your supervisor, of course. Mm -hmm. So you are not the only one. (laughs) And uh, I was lucky to work with industry, have Mm -hmm. some collaborations that, uh, of course, uh, enables you to have some early adapters for your... Uh, startup mm-hmm. if you continue to work on similar things mm-hmm. so that was a pretty good advantage for me I just reach collaborators and ask yeah shall we continue after PhD they said yes so it was really good start for us so that we before really finishing the PhD we knew that uh, what are we gonna work uh, when I became full-time at scattering so it was an advantage. But also, like, uh, I think there are also startups coming from uh, academia, but uh, don't do something related to what they used to do <laughs> as well. And uh, probably they might be some of the unicorns. I'm not sure. I don't know names. But uh, you really need to... this. Uh, release your chains and so on, I think, to become mm-hmm. a unicorn. It's a huge thing, I would yeah. say. Did you know that uh, Google, the search engine, was a, a PhD thesis? No way. That's how it started. It was called PageRank <laughs> at that moment, and it started as a PhD thesis. What? That's crazy. Yeah, I didn't know that. It's good, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I should have known before. So, yeah, yeah. so you can imagine, but the, that, for me... I mean, like, honestly, from the things that you have said, it's incredibly, like, unexpected that you have talked that while doing your PhD, you have to sell, we can put that word, sell your work because you have to be published, because you have to get funding, because you have to get collaboration. So you have to sell, you learn how to sell, you learn how to manage because you have to do management things because you are... Maybe like more your supervisor, but you also have maybe like some um, tasks to do related to the project that you're doing. So you, it's like in the end, maybe it's you and the supervisor doing a project alone. So it's kind of like a startup, like no, like a research startup, if you can say it like that. So sales management, then you learn how to, let's say, summarize things a lot because you have a, a PhD thesis that maybe it's, I don't know, 100 pages or something like that. And you have to put it into a paper that is like eight pages. You can imagine. Huh? So you learn also how to summarize things or that it's, well, part of the storytelling or is a fundamental part of that. 
So all of these things, in the end, they are skills that they are fundamental to build a startup. And you can find them in a PhD, although they might seem completely unrelated, no? But, yeah. Yeah, maybe we can add uh, one more thing, actually. Yeah. yeah. And I also think, again, when we compare with the masters, I think masters has also such things, like uh, you do internship, start to do, you do master thesis, and so on. So, And you have uh, also limited time for this. Mm. So I would say, uh, yeah, masters also gives those qualifications, I would say. And uh, one more thing about this academia, and also if you do master thesis, it's the same. I mean, you need to do something novel. Mm. You need to uh, solve something that can create broad interest. Mm -hmm. So you don't spend your six months master or six years of PhD for doing something that won't be of benefit of anyone mm -hmm. because otherwise you wouldn't get funded to do this first of all <laughs> so yeah. yeah so this is i think this is so crucial for i mean if you have an idea this idea for startup needs to be novel hmm. uh, yeah novel in a sense that it can help people in, in a, a way, way that it, yeah, that hasn't been done before. Mm -hmm. Of course, you can do the similar thing, but some part needs to be novel, I would say. And uh, again, this benefit is uh, value needs to be there so mm -hmm. that the people can, or companies can pay to your solution so that you can become uh, better at your work. So maybe we can also add this, uh, mm -hmm. this one um, more thing, this novelty and solving something, some problems for society, I would mm -hmm. say. Yeah, yeah, that sounds, I mean, in the end, it's like the excellent training for people to learn how to think beyond the standards, beyond the, beyond the state of the art, beyond what is known, today, no? And that's also what you, not necessarily, that's true. When Donny came to talk in the podcast, we talked about how to create businesses in, in developed countries and how replicating business models can like be successful business stories directly. Um, but it's true that part of the innovation and maybe like the unicorns, there is something that there is, there has to be a lot of extraordinary things there. There has to be extraordinary product, extraordinary research behind it, no? And, or extraordinary vision. And that vision is something that you train when you're doing research as a master thesis, as a master student, as a PhD, because they train you to go beyond, no? And that's also maybe, I do agree that it's a super, super important, important concept. So, so maybe we can enter the final part of the, of the podcast today. Yeah. And I would like to, to ask you a question about the fact that we started with, we have talked a little bit about the fact with which we, we started the, the conversation. That is about this, this um, well, this fact that only 5% or even less of unicorns, unicorn founders are dropouts, you know? So what do you think about all this, like, culture of, you know, like, the dropouts are the ones that have films, become famous, uh, go into their magazines and so on, but that's not related to the reality, in fact, no? So what do you think about all these things, about all the performance that is, uh, that surrounds innovation and startups, but how it differs from reality? Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, when you see in social media, you need to wake up at four, do gym, have uh, breakfast mm -hmm. and uh, sleep at uh, eight in the evening and so on and so forth. I don't know. I never met uh, such people. But what I saw is like when you uh, when you talk with uh, or when you get this lectures or when you get the or when also when you talk with the investors and so on, you see that they check team. 
And probably when you become uh, on the way to a unicorn, they would uh, like to have someone, probably at least a bachelor, to have the position, a mm. high-level position in the uh, unicorn. I don't say that you wouldn't have brilliant idea, but at certain point, I think they will uh, put someone that might see better on the paper. I'm not sure. So mm. no, but I also agree because I mean I think that in the end, like the idea, nah, whatever. The but the magic happens in your ability to execute. When you have a master's degree in machine learning from Stanford, you have a certification that everyone trusts that you have a certain ability to execute certain things. In this case, is ability to execute machine learning. And if you're doing a startup about machine learning and you're saying, I know about this, that's why we can reinvent the wheel of machine learning in this, in this, in this field, that's a way of, of gaining the trust of others. If I, I don't know, if I have studied a bachelor in biology and I tell you that I am a genius in machine learning, well, okay, but if I'm going to put money on that, I'm going to need a lot of talking, you know? So I would say that it's also like when you have studies, like, I mean, university, this is like this big debate nowadays, you know, like university is useless. Well. I don't agree, honestly. Like, I don't think that knowledge is there in the internet. If you want to learn how to program, man, internet, 10 euros, a course in Udemy or whatever, and you do it. A lot of things, most of the things, not everything, but most of the things are there. Um, yeah, and if they are not for free, they are at, you know, like, you can buy a book for 30 euros on Amazon and you can learn about laser technology, quantum, quantum physics, whatever thing that you can imagine in addition to everything that is free. But what makes university valuable for me is the experience. Because university is a place where you get together with very smart people that think together, that have ideas together, that discuss about things. And that's the value of the university, that experience of getting people that are smart in the same place doing things together. And that experience makes you smarter and makes and gives you a higher ability to execute certain things. And that's one thing. And the other thing that for me is valuable of, uh, about the university uh, is that, of course, this depends on the, on the degree and depends on the university, but they teach you how to solve high complexity things at a high pace. So one, one of the things that I have learned in my university in Madrid, in Aalto University in Helsinki and here at Kitty Aids, is how to solve high complexity problems at a high pace. And when I go there and I show my degree uh, from KDH, that's the way I demonstrate that, you know? So I would say that for me, those are the two reasons why university is worth it nowadays. And that's the reason why then investors and, and people around they see the value on, on having on having a, a degree on 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 the field that you are trying to build something on. Yeah, so you say like this uh, formation that you receive at the university is like uh, we shouldn't. I totally agree. We shouldn't reduce university to the lectures. This like mm -hmm. whole package and whole experience like very from, likely the less valuable yeah, thing the lectures. Yeah, from this uh, soft skills that you got, you sometimes, most of the time, forced to work with someone on some particular task and so on. So uh, I totally agree, it's not only lecture thing, not only uh, learning one single thing, it's like a whole package. Like during my bachelor, uh, I was at Istanbul Technical University, pure technical university, but they forced us to get I think I got two or three art classes during oh, really? the match. Wow. <laughs> yeah, like crazy. I got film art. Wow. I got uh, the second uh, part of the film art. But then third one, I said, okay, I want to get the psychology instead. So, yeah, so this uh, 
whole package like in, at KTH as well as like art and science and mm. so on. So uh, sh- should we say that we recommend everyone to go <laughs> university? Or <laughs> so the the, the my uh, talk goes to that direction. But yeah, anyways, I would uh, I would uh, I those it. numbers in my last things like those numbers are super logical. Why? Uh, Masters has the highest uh, success rate than bachelors, than <laughs> PhDs, and mm. so on. I think we touched those uh, mm. things. It yeah. is uh, pretty understandable, I would say. Yeah, to me, it makes absolute sense because of of what we say. Like, no, like maybe when you do a PhD, you are like, like to you become you become too academic. Yeah. But when you have a master's degree on a topic, man, like. Okay, you're not an expert, but you know, you have a high level of knowledge on that certain thing, although not being an expert. And that high level of knowledge, and maybe, you know, like a a master's degree, there's still like a lot of people Mm. in the sense of like very diverse people. Like you're going to have people that they like to party a lot, that they are very social, (laughs) very extrovert, etc. But still, they have this high level of of knowledge on that certain topic. So I would say that Maybe that's the the perfect equilibrium point, no? The master's degree, perhaps. Um, but, like you know, if a PhD is capable of getting with a business or salesperson, um, like the, the the novelty of those things and the sophistication of those solutions are going to be extraordinary compared to anything else. No? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So what we recommend in the end for <laughs> young generation is... Uh, go to university, but go to the parties also. Like, yeah. if you go to university, don't... <laughs> like, if you don't go to the lectures, it's fine. Go to university, but go to the parties. Meet people. Um, do connections. Learn from others. And live the experience. Like, it's everything. And you... Well, I, I this is a very personal opinion, but... I think that you have been successful in university if you have been able to go to the parties and pass all the exams. If you are that person, that you have not the best grades, but good grades, and then you have gone to all the parties and you have had super (laughs) fun, you have uh, gone to trips. If you live in Europe, you have gone to like many places, you have done an Erasmus exchange program and everything. If you have been able to do all the things at the same time, for me, that's what the experience is about. That is learning in the broadest sense of the word. So what would we say about PhD? So if you are a person that you want to be entrepreneur, should we say you should go for PhD or rather get the work experience? I think that absolutely do not discard the PhD. That's maybe one of the things that I learned from today that don't discard it. Like it's not like an opposite thing. There, you learn a lot of things that you can use in innovation afterwards from a PhD. There are certain fields in which you directly have to have a PhD to reach the higher, the higher um, positions on companies. Like for example, uh, there's a friend of mine that he's studying a, a PhD on uh, biochemistry or something like that, and. As simple as this, like top um, executives in top companies, they all have PhDs. You have to have a PhD. So depending on your field, you have to have a PhD. In biomedicine, this kind of things, chemistry looks like it's quite needed. And then uh, if you want to go into innovation and startups and everything, like do not discard the PhD by any mean. And... You only have to know that if you are going to do a PhD, you're going to be an expert, a true expert on something. Um, And when you become an expert on something and you're surrounded by experts on things that are similar and not that similar, that's a factory of ideas that it's like, you cannot pay with money. (laughs) There's enough money, there there is not enough money to pay that, no? So that's also a place, like if there's a place to have brilliant ideas, is in a in a PhD, uh, like of course. Then ideas are not the most important thing. Yes, but you also know how to execute when you do a PhD. So, yes. So it depends. It depends. <laughs> it depends. I think that there's a lot a lot to gain, and depending on the field, even more. 
Um, and if you do a PhD and then you learn how to sell things and then you um, work or train your sales business uh, mindset, then you have everything, honestly. Like, you have everything. Yeah, then <laughs> what we can say in the end is, uh, yeah, just uh, just do what you want. I mean, PhD is good. Mm. Go to university. University. <laughs> and find your way. Flow with the wind. But leave the experience. Leave the experience. And dropouts are only, what is it? 2%? 4.2. Ah, 4.2. 4. Dropouts are only 4.2. If you are super sure that you are one of those 4.2, well, good, good luck. luck. <laughs> but we should also give a disclaimer. So none of the people talking in this uh, <laughs> in this uh, podcast are still not successful uh, startup uh, owners. But we work on it. So yeah, it's up to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but and also maybe to close with this, that that's absolutely true. But in the incubator program. I don't know anyone that is a bachelor student. Do you know anyone? Uh, no. Me neither. Masters, masters students and PhD students, like uh, like all the founders that I know from other startups of the incubator program, master students and PhD and alumni of master's degree. All the people that I know, but bachelor students, nothing, and dropouts, zero percent. Um. So well, I mean, don't don't trust us. Trust KDH Innovation that they don't pick bachelor students. Yeah, let the numbers uh, speak then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let the numbers speak. And this is just our opinion. The experience of Ahmed, uh, well, he's a researcher now turned into an entrepreneur. Um, and I wish you all the luck, honestly. Thank you. And thanks again for inviting. Well, it was thank, so fun. Why not? Why not? Thank you. Thank you for being today with us. It's been Unexpected, I would say. And that's how I would describe <laughs> In a good way or bad <laughs> no, way? No, in a super good way, super good way. Yes, yes. I would describe it as unexpected. Um, and well, thank you, Javier, for being... In the background. In the background, <laughs> helping us uh, with uh, all the production yeah. and everything, as always. All good. And see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you.